Hello, church. <laughs> Let me tell you, um, it feels good to be home. I love you guys, and it's good to see your faces. Um, so, um, like Trent said, I'm Selena. Um, I am the assistant campus pastor at the Modesto Spanish campus. Um, so, I miss them, but I'm going to be doing the, the message in Spanish next week. Wish me luck. <laughs> so, this week we are on the, the story part nine, um, and this week we're in the story, we're in the book of Ruth. So, the story starts off with a famine in the land of Judea. So, Il. Elimelech and his wife Naomi and their two sons, Mahalan and Kilian, moved to the land of Moab in hopes to find food. While they are there, Elimelech dies and Naomi is left with her two sons, who marry Moab women. The story mentions they were there for a decade and both women had yet to produce any children. Then another tragic event occurs. Naomi's two sons die. I feel like we've all been through tragedies before, and it sometimes feels like a snowball effect, one thing after another. We can relate to Naomi. So pretty much, Naomi loses all hope in the fact that her lineage of her family will continue. Now her and her daughter-in-laws, Oprah and Ruth, are really close. So close that throughout the book she calls them daughters. So when both of her sons die, she hears that the Lord provided food and came to the aid of his people back in her land. So she planned to return home. So she's playing with both of her daughters. Um, we're going to read at the top of page 122 in our books. It says, Then Naomi said to her two daughter-in-laws, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husband sent to me. The next passage is a conversation back and forth between Naomi and her two daughters. Naomi is pushing for them to return home, even saying, If I was married today and able to bear children, that still wouldn't be fair to them. Um, we're going to read towards the bottom of page 122. But Ruth replied, Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. Now here's a little history about Judea and the land of Moab. <clears throat> At one point, the Moabites mistreated the Israelites. So I see that these two cities were beefing. They didn't get along. They looked down on one another. Kind of like the Niners and the Raiders when they were both in the Bay Area. <laughs> if you know, you know. So Ruth is leaving her home to be a complete foreigner in another city where she'll be seen different, treated unfair, to follow and help provide for her mother-in-law. If that isn't taking a leap of faith, then I don't know what is. I mean, I'm not married, but I'm not sure how many of you will leave your family to help provide for your in-laws. So, this is so much bigger than just picking up and moving to another state, because the cities didn't get along, and the Moabites believed in a different God. So Ruth is saying, I'm willing to leave all that I am, um, behind to follow you and your God in hopes that things will be better. The love 
was real here. Now, when I was first writing this, I um, looked over it a few times, and initially I had the loyalty is real here. See, growing up, um, loyalty in our family was more of a used as a toxic thing, you know. Um, well, because we're family, you have to do this, or because you're, we're family, you have to do that. That's what I seen loyalty as. That no matter what, that die-hard loyalty is what I needed. But I've learned through counseling and over the years, it's not loyalty, it's love. So the love was here, the love was real here. How many of you would make a big move like this for God? Take this leap of faith and be a foreigner. I mean, shouldn't we all be foreigners when it comes to being a Christian in the world? Let's be really raw for a moment. Be really real because I love you guys and we're family. There are people in this world who believe in other gods, people who are seriously practicing witchcraft nowadays, and I mean, to the point where there's, I can flip through my social media and I'm seeing readings being done. Um, I took a group out of my students, we'd sit, we go, we take them different places, but they wanted to go to the Halloween store. Fine, they like to look at the stuff. As I was looking at one particular aisle, there was uh, spell books, legit spell books. Um, there's people who don't believe in God at all. And there's fake Christians. Those Christians who give us all a bad name, the ones who are judgmental and ignorant to what the Bible says and what God wants from us. I've had so many conversations, church, with people turning away from God because of these people who claim to be Christian and yet they're acting another way in, per like in person. They're being judgmental towards them. They're judging them. They're twisting what the Bible says. And you see, they associate these people with God. They're not turning away from churches. They're turning that, but that soul is turning away from God and all the glory and his mercy that he has to offer us. So don't mistake what I'm saying. We don't all, to be, we don't all need to be perfect. No. I'm saying is that we need to be the ones who stand apart from the world. Don't be afraid to be foreign. Don't be afraid to stop the gossip. Don't be afraid to pray for your food at lunch or in a restaurant. Don't be afraid to sh uh, share your love for Jesus. Because at the end of the day, it's not about us and what people think of us. It's about God. So back to the story. They arrive back. To, um, as soon as they hit those gates of Bethlehem, it's been 10 years, mind you, since they've seen Naomi. A woman recognizes her, and this was her response. We're going to read at the bottom of page 122. says, don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty, Almighty has made my life bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. This woman is so bitter. This is the second or third time she expresses how the Lord has caused her misery. So upon returning, it was time for the harvest of barley and wheat. So Ruth told Naomi, I'm going to the fields to glean after the harvesters. She was working hard. She was working in a field that belonged to Boaz, who was related to Elimelech. 
So Boaz asked about her in the middle of page 123. We're going to read. Boaz asked the overseer of his harvesters, who does that young woman belong to? The overseer replied, she is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather amongst the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained here from morning to now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So a few things are mentioned here in the verses. Our glean and that she worked from morning till now. Do you guys know what glean means? It is biblical, back in biblical law, it designated the gleanings to provide for the poor, including orphans and widows. So she's literally picking up the leftover of the leftovers to turn around and sell them and make a living for her and her mother-in-law. It's mentioned um, how she's been working all day with um, little time for breaks. Um, shows that she's a hard worker. Uh, another history fact, it specifically mentions her as a Moabite woman throughout um, the whole book of Ruth. And um, remember when I said these two cities weren't getting along, this is really the emphasis on um, how much she stands out. So after this, Boaz told Ruth she is welcome to stay in his field, to have water breaks, and he told the men to leave her alone. Ruth is like, why are you being so nice? Then he said he had heard all she has done to help support her mother-in-law. He took notice in all of her hard work. He invited her to eat, where he himself served her. This type of treatment is a symbol of respect for special guests. It gets better. He says in the second paragraph of page 124, As she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men. Let her gather among the sheaves and don't reprimand her. Even pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her. Leave them there for her to pick and don't rebuke her. Wow, so like not only he gave this Moabite woman, Moabite woman permission to work in his fields, he gave her a mill and he let her collect some stalks of grain. But he gave her an epa worth, which is equivalent to 30 pounds of barley, which her and her mother-in-law could have lived off for several weeks. The number of blessings Ruth was receiving, amazing. Um, and it wasn't by accident she wound it up in Boaz's fields. God re was rewarding her faith in him, blessing after blessing. So when the barley and wheat harvests were done, Naomi told Ruth she must find a home for her. So she instructed Ruth to get all dolled up, to smell good, and to meet Boaz at the threshing. I was super curious to know what a threshing floor was. So and luckily it showed me a picture in my study Bible. So the threshing is um, an open area outside of town where it's the process of winnowing grain took place. So it's like way out, kind of a secluded area outside of town. So Naomi says, wait till he eats and drinks, then meet him and he will tell you what to do. So from my understanding, it seems like she wanted Boaz to sleep with Ruth with the intentions to marry her. 
but there are also interpretations saying that the bathing and the perfume could be a symbol of marriage. And the uncovering his feet may have been to wake him up. While Ruth did what she said, and Boaz was delighted that Ruth came to him. They speak of the Redeemer in this passage. Initially, I was like, the Redeemer of what? So this means that he would be able to marry her and he'd become responsible for her. But before he was allowed to do that, he had to speak to one more person who was closer in the lineage. So he went on to meet the other Redeemer, and he gathered witnesses and elders. And um, let's read in the middle of page 126. Then he said to the guardian Redeemer, Naomi, who has came back from Moab, is selling the piece of land that belonged to her relative, Elimelech. I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these seated here, in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, do so. But if you will not, tell me, so I will know. For no one has the right to do it except you, and I am next in line. I will redeem it, he said. Then Boaz, on the day you buy the land from Na then Boaz said, on the day you buy the land from Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the dead man's widow. In order to maintain the name of the deed and his property, at this the guardian redeemer said, then I cannot redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it yourself. I cannot do it. So then he took off his sandal and he handled, handed it to Boaz. This is a symbol of sealing the deal in those days. So Noah Boaz was able to take over this state and marry Ruth. Even though Boaz might even endanger his own estate, he still wanted to marry Ruth and still take that leap and still do for her. So they get married and God enabled her to conceive. And the third paragraph on page 127, it says, the woman said to Naomi, praise be to the Lord who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons has given him birth. For your daughter-in-law who loves you and who's better to you than seven sons has given him birth. So she's saying that if you were to have seven sons, this daughter-in-law is better to you than them. This Moabite woman named Ruth left her home, left her family, entered a city where she was disliked, worked herself to the bone, all to provide for her mother-in-law. She had an unspeakable faith to God. Had she not followed Naomi and fallen in love, we wouldn't have Jesus. You see, that child she had was a great-great-grandparent to Jesus. Wow. <laughs> Woo. Did Ruth expect to work in Boaz's field, who just so happened to be a relative to Elimelech? Did she expect to find, for him to find favor in her? Did she expect to get married and have a son who would carry on the family name? No. 
We can't live life expecting God's blessings to outpour when we want. It's not about our timing. It's about God's timing. Ruth put in the work. She did what she had to do to make it, and God honored that. How is it that Naomi, who knew better to remain faithful to God, heck, even before she returned, there was a sign of God's follow-through when the land was no longer in famine. Yet she still had held bitterness in her heart and felt if God was punishing her. Yet Ruth comes along, despite her position as a Moabite woman, and Naomi was blessed through her. It's as if God was trying to tell Naomi, like, hello, look at the faith of this woman who, despite all odds against her, she did what she had to do and found favor in God's eyes. Are you being a Naomi in this season of your life? Are you complaining about how bitter you are because life is tough? That God is punishing you? That he has afflicted you? Are you going to run away like Naomi first did when the famine hit and then again when she lost all her family? But yet she returned when she heard of God's blessings there. Church, tragedies will come. Sometimes they will come like a ton of bricks. When you lose a loved one, when you lose a job, when your marriage isn't working and all you do is fight with your spouse, when your child goes astray and you feel helpless, things will happen because that's how life is. But don't let the bitterness build up inside you. Talk to God about why you're angry or sad or bitter. Put it all on the table when it comes to your relationship with God. You see, I've been angry with God before. I don't know if you know, but I was in two car accidents within a span of a year, both brand new cars, both not my fault. And after the second accident, it left me in a really bad mental state. It broke me. You see, I've been broken before, but this accident made me question everything. It shook me to my core. It was more than just the car. It was deep-rooted things. You see, I was angry with God. I didn't understand why this was happening. After all the so many things in my life that have happened, why is this happening, God, twice within a year? Why, God, what did I do? I was so angry with God. And it pushed me away from God because I didn't know that God can handle my anger, that he could handle my bitterness. So much so that... I decided I didn't want to live here on this earth anymore. I didn't want to do life anymore. So I began to look up ways of how to kill myself. So one day I decided to take 50 or 60 Tylenols. And it made me sick. I did that and I drank something with it to help it speed up the process because that's what online said. I uh, came home and I took a nap. I didn't go to church that day. It was on a Sunday. And I told my sister, no, I'm not going to go to church today. She came home and she found me. And she's like, what's wrong? You don't look right. You see, I tried to take a life that wasn't mine because I was angry. I was bitter 
And it wasn't just this one thing, it was a series of things that happened in my life that I felt that I wasn't worthy to live anymore, that I wasn't worthy of love. So when I say I know where Naomi has been, I have, because I've been through so many different things in my life. But don't let it build up in you guys. I don't want that for any of you. So when I say lay it all on the table, you lay it all on the table and you let him take it because he can. I've also been where Ruth is. Within the last few years, I've been actively putting in the work with my walk with God. Ruth didn't think about what she had to do. She just did it. She had no hesitation. This is what us as Christians need to do. If you need to get healthy, if you need to go to counseling, go to counseling. If you need to be on medication, then you need to be on medication. My upbringing caused me to believe that taking antidepressants and taking anxiety meds is a bad thing. Well, it's not. If it means I'm being healthy, do what you have to do to be a healthier you. But don't ever let that interfere or hinder your relationship with God. So I challenge you to leave it all on the table with God. Happy, mad, sad, he can take it. He could take it if you're angry, church. He could take it if you're bitter and if that bitterness has been inside you for years, he can take it. And to actively put in the work, just do it. Don't hesitate, just do it. I'm gonna pray for you guys. God, I thank you for my brothers and sisters in this room. For each and every one of them, God. They're worthy of your love. They are worthy. God, if anyone's ever told them they're not, that's a lie from the pit of hell. Because they are worthy of all you have for them, God. They are special. They are loved. They are beautiful individuals inside and out. God, we need more of you. God, I ask that they lay it all on the table for you, God. Whether they're angry, sad, happy, mad, God, they lay it all on the table. They lay it all at this altar, God. Because the plans you have for our lives are to prosper us and not to harm us, God. God, I thank you for what you're doing in our lives in this very moment. Whether we see it or that we can't see it, God. I thank you for that.